honestly, it's a big blessing to be here and and just uh, share a few thoughts from what God's impressed on my heart. And just, you know, through my experiences, I think he's led me right now in a different season. I think I mentioned last time that the, the past seven years I spent in the missions department at a large church here in the United States. And currently I'm working with a missions organization whose goal is to go to every home and share the gospel. And so part of what I'm going to uh, talk to you guys about today is uh, another little frustration that I've had with uh, living in America has been that many people will ask me about my story, which probably is the case for a lot of you guys. And so people, you know, as soon as I open my mouth, I give away that I'm not from Texas or wherever. And so they'll be like, oh, where are you from? Why don't you tell us where you're from and your history? And so, I mean, after 12 years of this, it's been a little bit challenging to keep saying the same story over and over again. And so, I sometimes will say, no, nah, it's okay. You know, you tell me about you. I don't really want to say, you know, too much about myself. And so, you know, there's this one situation where me and another member of our church, we were at the airport and we were going to pick a pastor up that's coming in for a conference. And so uh, the flight was delayed. So we're sitting there in the car and this gentleman, this brother, you know, he, he says, oh, tell me about your story. I said, oh man, here we go again. <laughs> I don't know. And he's like, no, 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 I'm really interested. You got to tell me your story. And so, you know, I get on my little, I take my little soapbox, get up on it. I bring my little violin out to say my sad story of how I grew up in Albania and we didn't have anything and it was a communist country. And so I go on for, you know, a good 45 minutes and the guy's in tears, you know, and he says, man, I love this story. I'd love to know more about you, you know, and the God's done. And I said, wow. I should say my story more often. And so I walk away from that, from that event, you know, meeting. And then a couple of days later, I'm at the school with my children. And there's this man that I shared the story with. <laughs> and um, yeah, he didn't recognize me. <laughs> so I walked away devastated. I said, I'm never sharing my story again. <laughs> I'm never doing this. This is horrible. I, you know, and so... And I don't know, I mean, I, I don't know how many of us are in this poll call now, 19 people. And I'd love to take a poll and say, hey, how many of you remember people that you met? Because I always remember people that I meet and I remember names and stories. And it's been frustrating that I meet people here and they don't remember. You know, it's like their mind getting raised. Um, and so when I was talking to a, a brother from Spain just recently and you know, he said, I remember you. I met you seven years ago for two minutes. And I said, okay, now I found somebody like myself. And so it's been a challenge for me to reconcile these two worlds. And perhaps it's a challenge, I think, of maybe a, people coming from a small nation that have to remember history and languages and, and all the geography and all that stuff. I don't know what it is. And so, um, but I was like, Lord, I got to figure out what this difference is. And so... Um, I've been struggling with this a little bit and just a little illustration, but, uh, you know, this is what I wanted to talk to you guys uh, today. And I feel like we find a little bit of a, a, a bigger story of, of this sort of uh, situation, I think, um, in John 21, um, where uh, we've seen this uh, big drama unfold in John 20, where, um, you know, uh, Jesus is resurrected. Jesus is not in the tomb anymore. Uh, he appears to the women. And then in John 21, it's early morning, and we're presented with this group of four uh, people. Some of them are the disciples, 
um, and they're up in a boat um, and they're doing what they're supposed to do. They are um, out there, they're fishing. Um, and so, you know, we're presented with this strange reality now. These guys were just with Jesus. They've, they've seen this huge drama unfold, something that changed humanity forever. And yet in John 21, they're out there fishing. This is how, how the chapter starts. After uh, this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, well, we'll go with you. They went out to go to the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered, no. He said to them, well, cast on the net on the right side of the boat, and then you'll find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, uh, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself out in the sea. The other disciples came on the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards off. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of that fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard, hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came to them, took bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And so we see this strange, in my opinion, happening here. I mean, they were with Jesus. They, you know, they saw what happened. And yet they went back to their old ways of living, to their old ways of doing. They went back to what they knew best. And as we remember earlier in the story, Jesus had called them, right? He was walking by and he said, he saw these guys and said, hey. Come with me. I'll make you what? I'll make you fishers of men. And after all of these dramatic events, these guys are like, well, we don't know what happened, but we're just going to go see and do what we know best. We're just going to go fishing, I guess. You know, that part of our life is over. We're just going to go fishing. They see and they, they kind of understand what's going on, but they're afraid to say they're afraid. And so it's a strange situation. I think that especially Peter finds himself in because as we know, He's done a couple of not so great things before that. He's denied the Lord and, you know, he's been confused about his faith. And so this is the guy now that's leading these guys to go back to their old life. We see in this chapter in, in John 21, this huge transformation of Peter, um, who goes from being a fisherman. And mind you, when we read in this chapter, you know, they've been working hard all night and they have caught nothing. To where in verse 15, Jesus sits him down and transforms him into something else. We see the transformation of Peter here from a fisherman to a shepherd. My topic today is going to be that um, for us as leader, for us as pastors, the transformation from fisherman to shepherd. And as I talked about um, my, my situation with this guy where I shared my story, I realized there needs to be a transformation to where people are just fishing 
from fishermen um, to, to shepherds. And in verse 15, we see this conversation with Jesus and Peter. And Jesus doesn't shame him. He doesn't bring up what he has done just in the recent past. But he um, says the following. He says, when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend to my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him at the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. This brought me to this process of thinking, okay, what does this mean? I mean, isn't fisherman good? Isn't fisherman great? I mean, you catch a lot of fish. Right? I mean, that's what we're supposed to do, right? As pastors, as leaders, we're supposed to cast nets. We read in the story 153 fish, whatever that number means, all of the fish, the big fish, everything, you know, that was in that lake. That that's the story, right? And yet Jesus is standing there on the on the shore. He already has fish for them. He's already cooked the fish. And he said, Simon, come sit down. Let me tell you a couple of things. And as we read the Bible, we see this image of a shepherd. Think back through all of the Old Testament, through all of the New Testament, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, all of these guys were shepherds. All of these guys were focused on shepherding. We don't read a lot about fishermen in the Bible. I don't know, Jonah maybe, but he wasn't really a fisherman. He got eaten by a fish. So I don't know. The most famous scripture that you ask anybody, Psalm 23, we see this huge image of David as, you know, who was a shepherd himself, describing God as a shepherd. So Psalm 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yet, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So we see a description of this shepherd. We see the description of the shepherd's tools and, and, and what, he, what he uses. Um, I mean, imagine replacing this and saying, you know, the Lord is my fisherman, <laughs> um, you know, and, and changing those and saying, you know, he makes me go down in cold waters. I don't know. I don't know what fish do, but <laughs> I'm not a very good fisherman. So, but, but this imagery of the shepherd is ingrained in the Old and New Testament of how God leads and the, the way that he leads. And, um, you know, when I grew up, when, when I was a kid and we learned and, and memorized this, this scripture, I was always afraid because I was like, man, that rod doesn't seem like it's very comforting because I remember if I did something bad, my parents, would, would, you know, beat me with a stick. And I was like, no, I don't think that the rod is very comforting. And so, so but, but think about this for those of us that maybe have some sort of, have seen some of these herds or whatever of sheep and things like that. And I printed this because I didn't know if we were going to be able to put this, but, but here's, here's a rod and a staff, okay? And so if you've ever seen a shepherd deal with sheep, you know, and you can figure out what these are for. The rod is to protect sheep, and the staff is to guide and direct those sheep. And so we see this image of God being involved in our lives in that way rather than a fisherman. A few years back, um, I was able to go to Israel, and we actually were in that part where people think that's where 
this event in John happened, and you can actually see the closeness of, of how, how close these guys would have been with the boat and Jesus calling out to them and all of that. You can, and as you turn back, you can actually see the hills where the sheep could have been up on there. It just kind of brought back up to, to life for me what that difference could have been between shepherds and fishermen. My, my thought process in this was like, wow. I mean, I don't think this guy forgot. I think maybe he's a different type of person. Maybe he's a fisherman. Maybe he's trying to load all these fish up on the boat. Maybe he's trying to count or, or find a better fish and put them. I mean, that's kind of the philosophy. But yet God is our greatest shepherd. And then one of the biggest images I think that's amazing is in John 10, 1 to 6. And we, hear, we read about Jesus talking to the crowd, talking to the Pharisees about him being the shepherd. And so John 10, 1 to 6 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who answers the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him who the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by the name and leads them out. And he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep shall follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow strangers, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And so in this chapter, Jesus is obviously talking, if you read a little bit earlier on, he's talking, we have the, the happening with a blind man and, and the religious leaders come to Jesus and the blind man, and they don't really like what's happened here. But we have the image of Jesus as being a shepherd and not not a fisherman. <laughs> um, he's the shepherd. He leads the sheep. And obviously, I think we can start to draw some, some parallels here or, or maybe some differences between how a fisherman and a shepherd leads. Obviously, for that culture at that time when Jesus is talking about fishermen and a pen, these guys all understand what's happening. They understand the job of a shepherd and how hard it is. They understand that the shepherd's going after every single sheep. And, you know, we have scriptures that talk about that, you know, abandoning 99 to go after the one sheep that's lost. These, these things are very common. And so I, I printed a little thing just for us, because when, when, when we read about Jesus being the shepherd, but then Jesus being the door in John 10, I think it will help. Um, I don't know if you guys can see this, but I love this. I don't know who did this. I've had this for a little while. So this is a sheep pen during times in Israel and, you know, in the Middle Eastern region. And if you can see, there's like a wall around it and there's a little gate. And either a hired hand or a shepherd would sit at the front and be the gate. And so what's happening here is during the day, the sheep are up, they're, they're grazing, they're, you know, they're doing their thing. In the evening, the shepherds would guide their sheep through this little door. And then with their little, or with their long staff that I pointed out in the beginning, they're checking out every single sheep as they come in. They're checking, hey, is everything okay with the sheep? Are the legs okay? Has the sheep got into trouble? Are they all there? You know, what's going on? And so if the sheep's okay, they're letting in the pen, and then they are the gate. And so if anybody wants to come in and steal any of the sheep, they actually have to come in through the wall. They have to do something. They have to probably kill the sheep and throw them over because the sheep are not going to go willingly over the wall to get away from the shepherd. These guys, you know, as we read later on, you know, all of these uh, um, Pharisees and leaders get all upset because they figure out, okay, Jesus is talking about us. We see this image of a shepherd. I mean, 
I know that sometimes, you know, when we see these beautiful movies, you see these big fields of grass and things like that, and there's animals grazing. But the reality in the land of Israel that, is that if the shepherd doesn't lead the sheep, they won't eat. And literally in those areas that we read the story about, in those hills, the shepherd has to go and with his staff point at the grass that the sheep need to eat. He has to say, go eat over here, go eat over there. And he has to guide the sheep, push them, pull them out of things so that they don't fall. And we all know, I mean, sheep are not very, um, they're not very ferocious. They don't have any means of protecting themselves. I mean, they, they don't really have any teeth to bite. They don't have any claws or anything like that. So they're completely dependent on the shepherd. And in these areas in Israel, even more so. If the shepherd's not there, if you have a bad shepherd as a sheep, you know, you're going to die off. All of these image has been built in into the Bible on how God leads and how Jesus leads as a shepherd. And this conversation that Jesus is having with Peter by the seashore there, he's trying to switch Peter's view from trying to bring in as much to caring for the one. And we can see how excited these guys were. I mean, they counted every single fish. Now, I know there's all about a bunch of debate for, for the 153 fish and what that means. And if you ask everybody, everybody has some sort of idea. Uh, but I think really it was because the fishermen like wanted to tell that they caught a lot of fish, right? Like, you know, when you take that picture and you hold the fish like closer to the camera, so the fish looks bigger. And so I think they were trying to say, listen, you know, we caught a lot of fish, Jesus. Look, you know, we caught a, a, a lot of fish. And Jesus sits him down and says, listen. Man, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep. And I feel like that was a transformation for Peter at that point where he realized as a leader what he had to do. And here's a couple observations, the difference between fishermen and, 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 and shepherds. Uh, fishermen usually will pursue. They'll go after as many as they can. Um, you know, when people take me fishing, I generally don't go that much out, but I had a friend of mine who had a little GPS thing that he would throw in the water and it would find where the crowd, you know, the big crowds of fish were. And so, um, I would be so excited because you're pursuing the big fish and the big, you know, and that was one of the best times for me fishing because I could tell where they were. Fishermen will pursue the big amount of fish. And Peter had that mentality you know, he's like, I haven't caught anything. Not, you know, I need to catch a lot. I need to catch the biggest fish. But shepherds are protectors. They know the name of every sheep. This is amazing because, you know, when we travel to Israel to this day, they'll name their sheep, right? They'll name their sheep as you name a dog that you have at home or whatnot. Um, and the shepherds know their sheep. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. Um, as the verse that we just read says, they won't follow anyone else but the shepherd. And Peter needed to switch from this pursuit of the crowds to being a protector. The other one is that fishermen measure, right? We all know, oh, we caught this big fish. They're concerned with that uh, because the bigger the fish and the more they have, you know, the better fishermen they are. But shepherds manage their flock. They know every sheep and they know every sheep is valuable. They'll go after the one that's lost. The fisherman is not going to go after one fish. They're just going to try to catch as many as they can which brings to that the fishermen think about quantity. Numbers are important for fishermen because they'll get more money for, for the numbers. Um, while the shepherds think more about the quality 
of the sheep. They try to find sheep better food. They try to send them as, as, as we read in Psalm 23. They try to find shade. They try to find the best pastures. They try to, to make sure that the sheep are well fed and they're uh, very well taken care of. And then fishermen desire results. Uh, they, you know, they, they go after how much and all of that. And while uh, shepherds desire relationship and you don't see people carrying a fish and petting it and naming it. Um, we always see people, you know, with a lamb, which they take care and the nurse and all of that. And so the attitude of the shepherd, I think, is opposite, that every sheep is valuable. Um, if, you know, for a, for a fisherman, a net breaks and a fish slides through, not a big deal. But for a, fish, for a shepherd, you're going off every, after every sheep. As a shepherd, you need to be taken care of every single lamb, every single sheep that you have, no matter how big or small they are. I feel like for, 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 for Peter, that was the transformational factor is bringing himself from fishermen to being a shepherd. And I think in, in, in our society right now, in our church environments right now, everybody, what we see is this big crowds of people. We see uh, people casting out or pastors casting out this uh, huge nets. But, you know, we don't see a, a lot of the small work that's being done one by one. You know, I've been thinking about this week as all of you about what's happening to our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, the church in Afghanistan. Um, I've been part of that community for a long time. I worked for ministers that worked in Afghanistan. And so we, we shifted, I think, there from a, a place where people were trying to be fishermen and bring as many things on board as they can to being shepherds and leading our brothers and sisters. And I feel I know it's going to be a hard period for that church, but it is a time for um, shepherds to come forward. And so um, for us as leaders, I think uh, beyond all of the videos and, and the footage and, the, you know, Facebook and all of those things that we see of people being fishermen, I think God's um, desires for all of us to move into the role of a shepherd, into a role where we care for every single sheep that comes our way, um, into a role where we go after the weak and protect them and bring them back uh, into the fold that we leave the 99 and come back. It is a huge undertaking. It is not something that's taken easily. It's not something that we can say, well, huh, you know, not a big deal. As I was going through this and researching it, um, I found a big, big warning from Ezekiel. And I believe that's what Jesus was referring to when he was talking, talking in John to the religious leaders of the time. Um, if you're not the, if you're not a good shepherd, right? God is a good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. And in Ezekiel 34, we see this huge imagery of what happens if you're not a good shepherd. So Ezekiel 34 says the following: the Lord, the word of the Lord came to me and said, "Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God: O shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not the shepherds feed the sheep?" You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. They became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains on every hill. 
My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search and seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have been become prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd and became, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my sheep and their hand to put a stop to the feeding of the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, and they may not be food for them. Um, and it keeps going on and on in this narrative on how important it is to be the right shepherd, how important it is to take care of the sheep and not to take advantage of the sheep, what strong character you need to be. And so um, it brought back to me that as leaders, as pastors, um, that we are involved in the church, that is a huge burden. We need to shift to being shepherds, but we need to shift being shepherds that care of the sheep, that focus on the sheep, that know exactly the needs. Um, and so what do we learn? Um, and, and here's the, the great thing, right? In Matthew 9, 36, Jesus looks at the crowds and his heart breaks because they're sheep with no shepherd. And so that's why he's so upset with the religious leaders of the time that they've led the people astray and that they're taking advantage. Um, but what do we learn from all this um, imagery of being shepherds? Number one for me is that shepherds lead from the front. They never lead from the back. They never shoo the sheep because the sheep are going to fall off the cliff. So as a pastor, as a leader, you're always leading from the front. Um, you always have your little rod and you have your staff that guides and pushes, and, and re, you know, if a sheep falls off in the thorns, you're pulling them off. You're guiding them. Um, you're not, you know, sheep are not cattle that you're driving them from the back and pushing them. They need to be led by the front. They need to see the, 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 the pastor, the shepherd. They need to hear his voice. And um, you need to clear the path. That's why that little rod is there. If some uh, wild animals attacking the beast, coming around, trying to, to hurt your sheep, you have that rod. That's number one. As, as leaders, as pastors, we're leading from the front. We are the front of the line. Um, and number two is that as shepherds and as pastors, we find and bring back every lost sheep. Every little sheep matters. Every little lamb matters. We're not leaving um, anyone behind. And I, I, I know and I realize that um, that's the goal for all of us on this call is not to forget and leave anyone behind. That's the only thing that's going to bring the kingdom of God is when everybody hears. Number three is that the voice of the shepherd is recognizable. As we read in, the, uh, in that story in, in John, the sheep are not going to move if a thief comes in the pen. They're not, unless he hurts them and throws them over the wall. Only the righteous owner of the sheep will be recognized. I feel like it is a burden for all of us as leaders to move into that space and say, we need to be, um, as Peter's transformation happened for all of us, the transformation, even though the world might tell you, listen, you need to have this many people in your church. You need to show some results. You need to, uh, you need to show us that you caught 153 fish. Um, our call is mostly... Uh, and more than anything else is to be the shepherds of the flock that God has entrusted us as God is a good. So uh, it is with us. We need to be good, good shepherds. Um, and so first uh, Peter five, one to four, 
um, is an exhortation, uh, says the following, the elders who are among you, I exhort, who I am a fellow elder and witness of the suffering of Christ, also partake of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those who, over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So what an amazing <laughs> summary of being a shepherd and being a leader. Um, I, you know, and I, I, I was able to not keep the hurt from my brother who didn't remember my story <laughs> just because I realized, hey, maybe he's still in fisherman mode. <laughs> he's still trying to bring people over. Um, but again, my prayer for all of us this morning um, as we close here is pray that God gives you the heart of the shepherd for the, for the sheep that he has entrusted to your pen. Pray that God uh, helps you remember the names and the needs and pray that God gives you the strength to protect those who he has entrusted to you through the spirit of your life.